Well, that overnight session was very, very quiet. Basically, it was a night of not much at all. Uh, second tier data not having much impact, except we are still seeing bond yields rising. Uh, we are getting used to the idea that uh, there's going to be more done by the Fed, obviously. But what about the RBA? Can we tell anything from the minutes which are out this morning, or has the world moved on since then? It's Tuesday, the 18th of April, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, I was going to start by saying it was another badden on the uh, U.S. share market. Well, it was. Shares were generally down, but they've started to scoop back up again to close the S&P up 0.2%, 0.3% for the Nasdaq and the Dow. Uh, but for a while there, the Nasdaq was down about half a percent. In Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 stayed down today by half a percent, a small drop in the DAX and a slight lift in the FTSE 100. Uh, in line with that, bond yields continue to rise, so another eight basis points on 10-year treasuries, a similar rise in two-year Treasury yields. Small rises in Europe, just four basis points higher for 10-year bunds. Aussie 10 years up five basis points yesterday to 3.37%, then up another eight basis points on futures overnight. And the US dollar heading back up again, up another 0.6% this morning. But the Aussie not feeling the brunt of that. It's down less than 0.2%, just under 67 US cents. The euro is down 0.6%, though. The yen uh, down half percent. And oil is heading down again at 21 1% drop in WTI and a 1.9% fall in Brent, now back down below $85. That rally yesterday was just a one-day affair, wasn't it? So uh, a fairly quiet session, really, um, but that's not going to stop us talking about it. Uh, here's NAB Dave DeGarris <laughs> in London. So, uh, so US shares in the session that's just finished, real estate doing yeah. well. Yesterday, real estate was down. So, uh, I mean, volatile doesn't seem to be the word. There's not, there's not a word strong enough. It needs that we need we need a new noun that is stronger than volatile to describe uh, what's going on at the moment because we really are, well, you know. Yeah, I think I think the market's really still to state the obvious, looking for direction, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, we had that Empire State reading today, didn't we? The manufacturing survey, you know, the the first regional uh, survey for April and. Um, it was quite strong if the numbers right from went from minus 24.6 to plus 10.8 yes. so um is manufacturing in the US rip roaring again um, well mostly it came from new orders didn't it so i mean you know it, it did it's a, a positive read uh, it did if, it, if that's right if it if it's right and sometimes these regional indexes can be all over the place mm. against each other and um it's actually been hold i was looking at it before it's been holding up better than the uh, than the national ISM reading for some months now, so maybe it's a maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe it's noise. Um, we don't know the answer to that. No change. Uh, no change in employment in it, and prices uh, received edged up a little. That, that was mm, the bad news, I guess. So, mm, you know, inflation's mm. still hanging around. Yeah, I think. I think you know. One thing I did see, Phil, is um, you know the market tends to paying paying a, a little bit of attention now to these weekly. Um, bank figures that the Fed publishes mm. and the latest ones for April the 5th showed an encouraging rise in small bank deposits for the week to April the 5th of $24 billion. So maybe it's taking a little bit of comfort from that, that um, the banking ructions are being put behind us. But against that, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of this bank, First Republic Bank, um, a name that might be, certainly wasn't familiar to me before all this thing started, but 
they have apparently a lot of um, interest-only loans. There's no, it doesn't seem to be an issue with the repayment on those loans, but been losing deposits and its share price has slumped by something like from you know from one hundred and eighteen dollars down to eighteen. Mm. You know, since this banking episode's been going, trying to find a buyer apparently. And my point is not to say there's anything particularly wrong with that that bank, but that. Um, it's only going to encourage banks to be ultra cautious from here. I yeah. Think. Well, that is the question, right? isn't it? What's what? What is lending going to be like? And is that you know? We're Indeed. That for a Indeed. While. Is, is are we going to get a recession caused by a credit squeeze? In well, and in fact, credit has already been tightening for some period of time. You know, with the Fed increasing rates, mm. and you wouldn't be surprised if it accelerates from here. How much it accelerates? Um, often you get that. I mean, that's what monetary policy is designed to do, right? But. Um, these don't happen. Things don't necessarily happen in a nice linear way. So the market's sort of sensing or sniffing around for uh, you know when rates will peak. And um, right now, things probably yeah you know, maybe one more rate rise and then um, and then the Fed will pause. But how long will they pause? When will they start to cut? How much? That of course depends upon a myriad of factors. Yeah, people still buying houses. So the NAHB housing market index came in. Ever so slightly higher than expected. Maybe that's why real estate's up uh, a little bit today. Uh, ever so slightly being 45 versus 44. Uh, and that is because the current sales of uh, single-family houses has gone over mm. the index of 50. So it's actually expansionary for the first mm. time since last September. Uh, so uh, it's interesting. The NHB, NHB say one-third of housing inventory is new construction mm. compared to historical norms of little more than 10%. So, mm, so I've got a theory mm. on that. I, I wonder whether that is because uh, it's, um, you know, if you're building a new house, you, you, you use the supply chain that's available to you. If mm. you've got a house and you want to do it up to sell it, you might find it hard to get hold of the stuff. So you might uh, you, you, you might delay it. So, uh, you know, so you're going to see if people buy, they're going to buy a new house because perhaps it's a bit easier. Yes. Yes, I think, I think that's... I was just listening also to some reports of the Australian real estate market. It seems to be that buyers are putting a premium also on not properties, you know, the old renovators to light, Phil, that you and I would have known from times past, mm. but something that's ready, you know, turnkey properties that are ready to live in right now because of all those supply chain issues. Yeah, well, I'm still in the middle of that renovator's nightmare and uh, <laughs> it's been on, going on forever. Yeah, a new house sounds good, except they're always too small, aren't they? That's the problem. You get a smaller house when you get a new one. But anyway... Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the expectation is obviously uh, from what we're seeing, more hikes, we're seeing yields rising, equities down, particularly tech stocks. Uh, so it's interesting, the Nasdaq is up almost 16% year to date. Mm. So you'd, you'd have to think, you know, with all this uncertainty, there is, surely there's no room for upper movement for beyond where we are today. You would have thought equities i mean there's this you know you know what i'm saying i mean i know what you and i know exactly what you're saying and i've read it in other reports to fill markets being fully valued and so forth and yet here we are stocks <laughs> still finding some support at least while we, while we record the podcast anyway but yeah. um yeah but there but there you go so you know the market's still looking for for clarity uh, on, on the earnings outlook so Mm. Obviously, we've had those good bank reports at the end of last week, and the earnings season will get underway this week, and yeah. uh, more of those smaller banks as we go into next week as well. Well, it is it is being pulled up 
by bigger companies, I think. So it's mm. interesting, the ASX 200, incidentally, you know, relatively tame, 4.9% so far this year compared to that 16% for the NASDAQ. But an interesting chart on Bloomberg this morning showing the percentage of stocks outperforming the S&P 500 on a three-month rolling basis is down to about 22%, whereas normally it's around 50%. And this is the lowest since 2005. So in other words... right. The rise in equities has been from a smaller cross-section of all listed companies. So it's being pulled up by them. Yes, yes, skewed to the higher end of town, most Mm. likely. Don't don't know what we read from that. So let's talk about China instead. And today as well, the RBA minutes as well. So two stories of interest to Australia. So a lot from China. GDP, industrial production, retail sales, fixed asset investment, capacity utilisation, a lot of numbers coming from China. How much of that is going to be useful for us? Well, I think we know the narrative and we know the reality is the China reopening story. And um, we've already seen, haven't we, from various other data and announcements and the like, you know, from such as the uh, the non-manufacturing PMI, which pushed up to, what, 58 in, uh, in March. And that was 41.6, I think, from memory at the end of last year. So... We know the reopening story, and these figures are for for March and the March quarter for GDP. So the market's expecting stronger numbers, and that won't surprise anyone. I guess for me, Phil, um, obviously the headline GDP gets a bit of bit of notice, doesn't it? And it's flat in the December quarter of last year, and up two percent uh, this this recent quarter. Uh, but what about property investment and property sales? Uh, if that machine can get going, and we know that the government's been doing a lot of work on ensuring that development continues and, and the like, then that, that the economy could really motor along. Um, so obviously this, this is going to be a discussion point and um, also will it add a bit of sort of risk positive from the global situation with central banks in Europe, the UK and the US working to slow their economies rather than speed them up, whereas China is, of course, in the other completely in the other part of the cycle with low inflation. So monetary policy, is uh, it, it doesn't need to be tightened at this stage. So the RBA minutes out uh, later on this morning. Um, hmm. I mean, there's a chance that they are going to be dovish, given where we were at the last meeting. Uh, and is the market going to respond to that? Or, or will it see that, you know, well, the banking crisis has effectively moved on, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, if we don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. Uh, and, you know, other, you know, but perhaps, you know, if there are signals from the minutes that seem dovish, yes. you know, maybe, they're, maybe they're just a bit out of date. So I wonder if too much attention is going to be paid to it, given the timing of it. Well, I think, you know, if you take, uh, I think my recall, Michelle Bullock, the deputy governor, was saying they would have paused with or without the banking reactions. But we don't know. No one knows that for sure. But, uh, you know, maybe it was a factor in saying, well, now is the time when we should sit and review, you know, let the lags work their way through the system. Um, you know, with the, the, the mortgage rates have increased more in Australia than a lot of other G7 economies in this cycle, you know, being tied to the short end of the curve. Um, we had to see all that flow through. We've got... Um, a big sway of the borrowers who are moving from fixed rate to floating rate debt. Um, Consumption is looking a bit weaker. Let's just review the situation and see how the wages side plays out as well. So question is, Phil, I guess, it's a month-by-month proposition, isn't it? So yeah. will they have enough information by uh, by May to say, well, you know, policy is doing its work, 
we don't need to, to move anymore. We know that the bias is if they're going to move, they've been saying they'll, they'll increase rates further, but um, it's a it's a month-by-month proposition. We don't get the next wages number till I think, after the May board meeting. But we do get the NAB quarterly business survey later this week. So there is mm. some wages and labour market information in that about difficulty of finding labour and so forth. So... Maybe there might might be some clues in that. Maybe uh, but half a half a month to go, obviously. But we we are seeing market the markets raising its expectations of a of an increase next month, aren't we? Yes. Well, I think the market's got uh, you know there are split views about that. I wouldn't say you know it was um, was a high conviction view mm. right now. I mean, would you pause just for one month? Um, but it, if you look at past cycles, the Reserve Bank's you know increased rates for a while and then sat on them for, for for a while and this is something also that the reserve bank has been um uh been saying you know it's both the governor and the deputy governor have been saying that yeah i think a while means more than a month but of course things turn the other way if inflation you know next week turns out to be ugly and it looks like it's reflective of a stronger economy um, then we'll see. That could, yeah, yeah, we, we will see. But we have we haven't seen those numbers yet, so yeah. let's not jump to that conclusion just yet. Right now, uh, UK employment is uh, out today in the country that's you know supposedly a basket case, but it keeps on surprising. Uh, I've got, it does. It's not just the number of people employed, of course, that we get today. We also get average earnings, which rose five point seven percent annually on the yes. uh, on the three yes. months to February. Uh, but I can't. That, is that going to go down? I mean, nurses. That's expected to go to 5.1, Phil. But nurses, doctors, ambulance drivers, train drivers, oh, civil small servants. Details, Phil. Small details. <laughs> Half the country is on strike and they're all looking for sort of uh, pay increases way above. So maybe it'll go down. But will it go back up again is the question if they. Uh, if they if they win their strike action, well, it, it's going to be an interesting here the the the, uh, the tussle between what happens on the earnings side and whether that comes back mm. and the inflation side. So we get of course get the inflation numbers tomorrow night, yep. and uh, that looks like that's going to have a nine handle. Mm. I know it's really high compared to most other but economies, but it's a single digit exactly. It, it's a single yeah. digit. It's a move in the right direction after you know one or two disappointments previously. Yeah. And I wonder, do you think? And uh, probably a question not to ask at this stage because it's too late in the podcast to ask. But I mean, do we sometimes overstate the inflationary impact of, of wages? Because obviously, wages are coming down, um, but inflation, you know, very often coming down faster than wages. Well, it certainly seems to be the case in the UK, doesn't it? Indeed, and of course, reflective of the shortage of labour. Mm. So what matters is if wages and inflation then chase each other more than once. We haven't been through that no, process. We, we haven't, which we haven't yet, which is why everyone's on strike, of course, in the UK. So look, there we are. So it was a very, very quiet session, wasn't it? Very, very quiet. Nice, Phil. <laughs> get you on again soon. A bit more excitement tomorrow morning. We'll see everyone then. Thanks, Dave. Cheers. Feel like you know when there is nothing going on, we should get Dave to do a tap dance routine or something. That'd come across well on a podcast, wouldn't it? Uh, see you again tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening. Listener.